And my guest this segment is Richard V. Battle. He is the author of Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense and Uncommon Times. Richard, thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Charles. Thank you for having me this morning. Now, Richard, you've been involved in, uh, in Texas politics for a long time. You're an Austin-based uh, writer and author and activist. And um, you're close to what is going on right now at the border. Uh, the day after uh, President Biden was sworn in as president, he put a halt to the construction of the border fence, the border wall. And I understand diplomatically, he also ended the offices in uh, Mexico and Guatemala, which were agreements with the United States to process visa applications inside the country. So the results have been predictable and probably inevitable. What's going on? Well, I think that's that's correct. And it started during the campaign when in 2019, Joe Biden talked about the United States could take a million to two million immigrants per year. And so as soon as the election was called in November, the caravans began forming in Central America and started the trek forward. And of course, after January 20th, those changes were made in the policy just before what I would call a tsunami, since we're not supposed to call it a surge anymore. The tsunami hit the border and the border patrol and all of our authorities and the city leaders have been overwhelmed with the number of people. Now, uh, what does it actually look like down there? I mean, what it, I mean, we understand that there's thousands of children coming over, many of whom are unaccompanied, others of whom are accompanied by someone other than their parent. They've called this a rent-a-parent, where you've got uh, people, parents being paid who knows how many thousands of dollars to give their children to these people so that they can get into the country with a child and then... Uh, the children then are taken into their custody and they disappear. Um, to me, it seems like a, an incredible human rights potential tragedy. Well, first thing is, I think it is totally out of control right now. Gallup released a poll this week that up to 42 million people in Central and South America want to come to the United States. And so if we don't protect our border, we will be awash with people which because of our welfare state will, will bankrupt the country. And you're correct, the policy is what's causing this because the cartels who are reportedly making up to $14 million a day, bringing people in or contracting with people to come in. I saw pictures this morning for the first time that they are so organized and they're bringing in such large groups that they're giving people that they're bringing in wristbands like you'd go to a concert so they can identify who's with their group versus who's with another group. So it's almost like a tourism type event right now. And between the wall and other issues, the border patrol people can't keep up with it. Uh, you're hearing numbers of interceptions. You're not hearing numbers of people who get by border patrol. So right. we're just talking about those which have actually been intercepted. And I understand there's been already, at least from what I've been reading in, in the mainstream papers, they intercepted upwards of a thousand people who had been previously deported, who were criminals. And amongst those, a percentage were involved with terrorist activities or alleged terrorist activities. And, uh, and also um, the other statistic I've seen is that 10% of the children who are now being put in these cages 
and that's what they are. They were originally built by the Bush administration. And even though Trump got blamed for it, he stopped the practice. They've now resumed it and they're building more of them that these children are being, and there's now pictures of it. I mean, thanks to Senator Ted Cruz, I think that uh, even the uh, liberal media is releasing pictures because they've got no choice. You see these children cheek by jowl with these metal blankets, 10% of whom have been exposed to the, to the COVID-19 virus. And um, it just looks very, very bad. Well, first, first thing is, yes, uh, the, they're overrun with, with children. The number I've heard is about 18,000 that are in custody. That cost us $775 per day per child. And so they've shown pictures of Donna, Texas facility, but they're putting 3,000 teenagers at the Dallas Convention Center. They're going to put as many as 5,000 at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. They're going to put several thousand at Fort Bliss. They're going to put several thousand in California. There's five facilities that they're preparing to open up right now. And last week, uh, it was reported in the LA Times, and it's been affirmed that the Border Patrol was so overwhelmed that there's people that they intercept, that they let go into the country without documenting them or telling them they have to come to court. And And you mentioned- We don't know who they are. We don't know, you know, these are- Adults who often ha- uh, have taken custody of children, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here because we don't know, but they could be become sex slaves. They could become yes. sexually abused, physically abused. You know, who knows what? I mean, we just don't have any way of keeping track of it. Yes. And, and let me back up and say this is not a racial issue at all. It's a legality no. versus illegal Uh, I was married to a lady for 20 years from Laredo, Texas. I've spent a lot of time on the border, uh, been into the Mexican side of several border towns. Uh, The Hispanic people are wonderful, God-fearing, hardworking, honest, family-oriented people. But we have more than we can take care of coming right now illegally. And every naturalized citizen I've ever spoken to, I ask that question about their opinion. And they agree that people should come legally not illegally. And that's what the issue is. And certain politicians try to confuse that by mixing legal and illegal immigrants together. And even this morning, as of today, I've been monitoring it, New York Times and CNN, neither one of them has one word about immigration on their homepage. Right. Well, it's, 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 uh, you know, being suppressed because it's Biden and, um, if it was Trump, we'd be hearing about, you know, babies being ripped from their mothers. And I remember all that hysterical rhetoric at that time. And, and of course, there's nothing to do with race. I mean, they're not checking people's race as they come in. First of all, most of these people are white. So, I mean, if it's, if it's race, then it must be anti-white because... But, but now you say that there are these, these cartels that are basically trafficking people in, you know, they call them coyotes. They bring them over the border... Are these people themselves coming in and are they criminals and are they involved in, because I know that one of the, one of the major accomplishments of the Trump years was defusing and deporting uh, criminal gangs. Are, are they coming back now? Or should we start to see them showing up again in major American cities? Well, that's, that's what I believe we'll see because if we don't defend our border then those people will send forward agents across the border into the U.S. side to transact their business. 
and to interact with other people who are pro-illegal immigrant to help people get across and stay in the country because of the objectives of this whole movement. So then we're going to see probably, and again, we're only estimating here, but given the fact that, that they're not keeping track, we're going to see a return to and an uptick in all sorts of social ills like drug uh, availability and trade, sex trafficking, child abuse, who knows what else, pouring into the country and entering into the major cities. And it's probably happening right now as we speak. Yes. And one thing I'm grateful for, and I've not heard it discussed on the major press, but I recognize it because of how many people around the country that I have the opportunity to speak with that thanks to President Obama, this is not a border state issue anymore. It's a national issue. Sure. Because when he exported thousands of illegal aliens into cities all over the country, those taxpayers have had to pay with real dollars, health care, housing, education, food, all of these things that the federal government, when they pay $86 million for housing, that pain doesn't really reach the local taxpayer. But when the city and county and state are having to pay money, those taxpayers recognize the issue. Plus, when the crime goes up and other issues, they know their communities at risk. So this is not the same phenomena that occurred in my, when my grandparents immigrated to the United States, which they did without any public assistance. And they, they basically had uh, private citizens help them out, and then they, they got jobs. This is when you enter, you immediately get, I think it's refugee status, or you get some other status, in which case you, you go on the public dole, and that that remains for who knows how many years. And that, as you say, it's a direct cost to the taxpayer and that the indirect cost is the cost to the infrastructure, as you say, like schools, hospitals, um, and, and other things that, that they have to be paid for. So, you know, we're going to see a major strain on, on the economy. We're not talking here about a, a, a percentage of people who are actually gonna enter into the job market, although maybe some of them will, even then. We need to look at the fact that one of the reasons why chambers of commerce and a lot of you know so-called conservatives support this is because they get cheap labor, you know this is a, which undermines labor in this country. It undermines all the accomplishments of our labor unions who have struggled to get, you know, benefits and and for for their members. You know, we should recall historically that Cesar Chavez, who there's a new documentary about. He was very against illegal immigration because he was working to improve the conditions of his members who were American or who had green cards. That, that's true. And I'm going to back up to what you first said during that statement. And that is when your grandparents came, there was no welfare state. Right. And the welfare state, when these people come, it's like they hit the lottery. And they're willing to gamble and pay money to be brought up here so they can hit the lottery. Some of them may find jobs. Most of them coming illegally right now are low-skilled people. So even if they find jobs, they're entry-level type jobs that they could take away from Americans. But I also believe that some of these people will become permanent wards of the state. And the connection that I'm seeing now that illogically will progress, in my opinion, is we have cities like Austin, Texas, and Portland, and Seattle, and other liberal cities who are 
buying hotels and setting homeless people up in hotels to get them off the street, which will turn into permanent housing. And I think the next thing they'll say is, well, these poor illegals, they don't have any housing either, so we need to help them. And they will end up taxing taxpayers to pay for permanent housing for illegals at some point. Right. In fact, I think I understand that's already happening. Didn't the federal government just allocate X millions to to pay for hotel rooms for people? And and again, I mean, when a nation decides its its uh, its immigration policies, and that's one of the basic functions of any sovereign nation, you do so considering economic aspects. And right now, with the pandemic, and with a you know the closing down of, of business and the the the, the shrinkage of the economy, I don't see this as any time to, to welcome in massive uh, numbers of, of immigrants. Well, absolutely. I don't think we ought to legally or illegally uh, as much right now. But just to take that hotel comment uh, a little further, yes, $86 million is what's been budgeted. But right now, they're selling that as temporary housing. And my belief is there will be a large number of those people who can't afford to house themselves that will end up in public housing paid for by local, state, or federal taxpayers. Right. So it's going to become permanent because there'll be no yes. other choice. And, yes. uh, and, and it's being done in major cities, probably smaller cities too, around the United States right now. Isn't that right? Well, I, I don't know about the smaller cities. I know what they're doing in Austin, Texas with the homeless, and they bought several hotels and putting people in. And to, to my mind, that will create a permanent housing because there won't be an incentive to get out of it. And that compassion is good, and we need to be compassionate. But like Phil Graham said, you know, there's a difference between giving somebody a hand up and giving them a hammock to lay in and let them permanently live off the taxpayers. And that's where one side of the argument is these days is helping people cradle to grave. Well, well, I think that the policy of the Trump administration was to help people in their nation of at source to yes. help. And, and that's why, and, and it, by the way, Mexico, Guatemala, they agreed with that and they worked yes. with the administration to, to do just that and to then process legitimate claims of, of people seeking refugee status because they were being persecuted, which is something that's not really what's going on here. I mean, these are economic, this, as you say, they're coming across to hit the lottery. I mean, this isn't because they're, they're trying to escape political um, persecution in most cases. Yeah, um, we, should, we should remember that the Congress has control over immigration policy. So if they wanted to solve this, they could. And things that exponentially increase this problem are birthright citizenship, chain migration. And that's part of the other reason with the children, they bring the children in. And then all of a sudden it's mom, dad, uncle, uncles, grandparents, sure. the whole family comes up to help take care of the kids. And so it, what we're seeing now is the tip of a huge iceberg that's going to overwhelm us. That's right. And I seem to recall that um, President Trump tried to address that question and, and he was criticized wrongfully because chain migration has nothing to do with bringing in your parents and your children, your immediate vertical family. It had to do with, you know, your brother-in-law and your sister-in-law and your cousins and, 
you know, people were, you know, using, and then that would of course expand then because when a cousin came in, then you had their cousins and their in-laws and it could result in a massive, you know, wave of people. And instead the Trump administration wanted to do it based on merit, which was we need X number of workers. And we need people who are involved with various skills to, to come in. Yes, absolutely. And again, if we didn't have the welfare state, uh, we wouldn't have as many coming. Uh, you mentioned COVID earlier. Mm -hmm. The COVID numbers you hear generally are tested locally. And the federal government has not been doing COVID tests um, until possibly recently, but Brownsville, Texas had as many as 300 positives. But then when they're letting these people go without even documenting in the field, there's no COVID test there. Mm -hmm. And so there's no num no telling what the number is. Some, they say 10%. That to me would be the floor, not the ceiling. And we hear about super spreader events like the inauguration or the Super Bowl or things like that. If there was ever anything that could be a super spreader event, it's this, not only for COVID, but these people are bringing back diseases that we eradicated in the U.S. decades ago. And That's there's no right. telling That's what that is. Is uh, exactly. I mean, there's no probable, you know, reasonable uh, health standards which would apply to any legal immigrant into the United States. And um, we also are now seeing, according to the news, the mainstream news yesterday, that there is an uptick in COVID-19 cases, and I think it's 19 states. Is there a connection here between that uptick and people coming across from Mexico? Well, that's a good good question. And, and one issue I've had for the last year is I don't think the COVID numbers we've been given have been beneficial for we citizens. I think they control what numbers we hear so that they can incent people to be locked down. Uh, and the government has a one size fit all solution for everything. Whereas my personal belief is if you have it open well, if a business has COVID exposure, you shut the business down and quarantine them. You don't make every business of that type shut down. So you reward people who protect their customers and protect their employees. And then if somebody has COVID issues, then you let them quarantine. So I, I can't say that factually, whether these illegals are in those statistics or not, um, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well, well what we do know is that there's been an uptick and that this apparently is happening regardless of how they keep track of these things. And I think there's been some revision recently on the part of the CDC to actually you know, revise downward. But even in that context, there's still been apparently an uptick. So when, the, when they say that 10% of the children have it, and this was by the way, on last night's uh, you know, Lester Holt, you can't get more mainstream than that. I mean, they were saying this in their report. And if they're saying it, you know, it must be true that, you know, the, right. I mean, that this isn't some, you know, like something I might talk about, some right wing thing. I mean, this is the big, the big media. So that tells me that, that, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that they are, they do have it and that it is a contagious disease like any other and that they, they you know, they're ignoring it. Yes, absolutely. And what, what it leads you to believe is that it's not about the science, it's about the politics. 
Right. And it's always about the politics, which is always about the money, which is always about the power. Yes. And, and the politics seem high, almost inexplicable to me that Biden, on the day after entering office, would suspend the construction on, on the wall, which, by the way, is constitutionally questionable because the monies had been allocated by Congress. And I don't show, I'm not sure that um, a president can do that by executive order, but he did it anyways, and they did stop the construction, leaving major gaps in place. And also, he did apparently shut down the offices in Mexico and Guatemala that were processing visa applicants. Now, it's hard to understand the rationale for that. They certainly are not saying what it is, other than that they want to change things over from Trump. So that leads me to think that this is nothing more than Trump derangement. They hate Trump. And if Trump did it, then they're going to stop it. <laughs> right? Well, I think that's, that's part of it. Uh, the other part is they want more of these people in. So that's part of their policy as well. Uh, but it, it's interesting to me that they have turned a blind eye to what's going on. And they always talk about silence is acceptance. And right now they're playing hot potato with the responsibility between Biden and Harris and who's responsible for what's going on and really what do they want to have happen. And I believe they're doing everything they can to try to ignore it and suppress the news at this point and try to focus on other issues like the infrastructure bill or the Boulder shooting or other different things as much as possible. Oh, I'm sure they are, but it's not going to, it doesn't seem to be working. Even, even a lot of Democrats are now saying that this is, in, 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 this is not um, tolerable. I think that there was a, a Democratic congressman from Texas who yes. went down there and actually is the one who released the, the pictures. So I think it's, it's going to continue to be there and it's going to probably continue to metastasize as the crisis itself metastasizes. I understand there is another caravan forming now, which probably could reach the border in a maybe three weeks to a month. So it's not going away. There is a midterm election coming up within months, if you think about it, it's a little bit over a year. And uh, they have to respond, I assume, politically to the, the inevitable, which is that the American people both liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, other than a hardcore gang of leftists, are against this policy for a very complex number of reasons. Yes, and, and that's my hope. Uh, Congressman Henry Cuellars, who you referred to from Laredo, huh? Texas, right. and he's raised an alarm on the border. I've spent a lot of time in Laredo. Uh, the mayor of Eagle Pass and Del Rio, which are border cities just north of Laredo, are both raising the alarm also because their social service network has been overrun and overwhelmed as well. And my personal hope and belief is that it's going to take Democrat elected officials around the country as this becomes a problem for them to talk to Washington and say, we can't keep this up. You need to stop this because you're overrunning us as well as other people because the administration I don't believe we'll respond favorably to any comments or requests from Republicans for help on this issue. 
Right. And in the meantime, it's, it's becoming an enormous political albatross. And it was a complete misstep and misunderstanding of what uh, people expect. Because after all, this was why Trump was elected. This was why the Tea Party was formed. This is why the Senate became Republican in, um, in, 20, in 2014. I mean, this isn't, uh, you know, it's, it's, they've basically gone back to these same policies. So Richard Battle, what do you think should be done at this point? Well, and I, I think Stevie Wonder can see the issue and can <laughs> see, the, see the solution. But in my mind, I think we had things under control and had things managed well before January 20th. I believe the wall needs to be continued. I believe the stay in Mexico policy was working. I believe deporting unaccompanied minors back to their parents. And, you know, and as we identified during that time, Trump wasn't ripping children apart from their parents. They were taking them apart from the adults to do DNA testing to see if they really were their parents or not, which a lot of times they weren't. And so they were protecting the children at great cost. And so those types of things saying, no, the border is closed. If you come in now and we intercept you, you will immediately be deported, period. If you come in, you will get no social services, period. So I think we need, if we really want to stop this, we have to take a hardcore approach, which compassionate people will say, you don't have any feelings. Well, yes, we do, but we have feelings for the American citizens. And they're the ones that are going to suffer and pay for this over the long term, not only the short term. Right. And we also have feelings for the unaccompanied children. I mean, this is not, this isn't good news. No. For them, because we don't know what's exactly happening to them in this country, and I, and I I would almost assume it's not very pretty. Now, um, you know, so uh, but Richard, what you're suggesting, of course, would be for the Biden administration to swallow a very bitter pill and go back to Trump policies, and uh, I don't know if they they're going to really do really do that. So they're kind of stuck between in a hard place there, in that if they don't do it there's going to be a growing disaster of, of the likes of which we probably haven't seen in a generation. But if they do it, then they're going to have major egg in their face and they're going to have to sell out the left wing of their own party, which is going to be very damaging to them and which is already, they're already being hurt by that. So yes. it'll be interesting well, to see how it all shakes out politically. Well, yes, I agree. And the one thing is if they were to, swallow their pride, so to speak, and go back to the January 19th, 2021 policy, they, I think they would rename it and not, they would not associate it with the previous president. They would act like it's something they came up with to give them the ability to save face. And personally, right now, I would prefer them to do that than to do what they're doing. Yeah, let them call it whatever the hell they want to call it. Just yes. save people from coming, you know, these children and save the country. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like now Biden wants to take credit for the vaccine, you know, and, and you see Fauci coming up and taking credit for the vaccine, which is ridiculous. <laughs> he, if, if we had depended on them, we would never have had any. But, yes. you know, so let them take credit. Who cares? Just get it done for the good of the country, exactly. because this is a humanitarian disaster. All right. Yeah, this if, is about a, where can people get your excellent books and, and, and find out more information about you and your, you know, any websites you'd like to share? Well, I appreciate that. I, my website is richardbattle.com. It, it, I, books are available 
from any bookseller, but if you go to Amazon and put in Richard V. Battle, all seven of the books I have, including audio and electronic versions are there yeah. and appreciate the opportunity to share. And also, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You wanted to share one a thought, so please, you know. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't important. Oh, okay. All right, Richard Battle. Listen, I want to thank you again for joining me today and we should do it again soon. And thank you very much. Thank you, Charles, for having me and God bless America. Thank you.